My friend, Father Chris Mahar, was supposed to be with us this weekend, and he was planning to preach at all of our liturgies. Then he called me mid-morning yesterday. At least I think it was Father Mahar on the other end of the phone. Man had no voice. He's got whatever bug it is that's going around. Well, fortunately or unfortunately for you, I still do have my voice. (laughs) So you'll have to listen to me this morning as I offer you a few reflections on family life, which is, I think, an important topic to deal with on the Feast of the Holy Family, which is the feast we celebrate in the church this weekend. I'll begin my homily with a question. If you were Satan, what would you do? Hopefully nobody's offended by that question. Keep in mind what the goal of Satan is. His goal is to take souls to hell. As many souls as he possibly can. So if that were your goal, if that was what you were ultimately trying to achieve in your life, what would be the steps you would take in order to achieve that goal? Personally, I'll tell you what I would do. I would attack the human race like I would attack a house if I wanted to bring that house down. That is to say, I would go right for the foundation. You want to take a house down? Get the foundation. The rest of it will follow. And that means, my brothers and sisters, I would go after the family, because the family is the foundation of our society. Really, it's the foundation of every society. And I submit to you this morning that that is precisely what Satan has done. He's really done it since the beginning of time. He started with Adam and Eve, messing with them and their family. He got to Cain pretty quickly, didn't he? Of course, he'd already gotten to Eve and to Adam. But especially Satan has been at this over time, in the last half century, in the last 50 years. And let's be honest about it, he's done a pretty good job at getting to the foundation. In fact, he's corrupted the minds of so many people at this point that many men and women now don't even know what the normal standard for family life is. In case anybody is confused about that here in the church right now, the norm is one man and one woman bound together in a lifelong commitment of matrimony along with their children, adopted or natural. Every study that I've ever read in my life has made crystal clear that this is the best, this is the healthiest environment in which to raise children, the traditional nuclear family, which is precisely why Satan is attacking it as he is, through things like infidelity and contraception which is related to infidelity because contraception makes infidelity a lot easier and a lot more common. He's attacked the family through divorce. He's attacked the family through the promotion of alternative living arrangements, like the living together phenomenon. 
and, of course, so-called same-sex marriage. This is the devil's anti-family strategy, which, as I said earlier, is working. It really is. Got to give him credit for that. That's the bad news. But there is some good news in all this. The good news, my brothers and sisters, is this strategy is only working because we're allowing it to work. Remember, the devil has no power over us as human beings, save the power that we give to him. Which means things can change. And that leads to the obvious question. How can we change things? How can we reverse this trend? How can we undermine Satan's plans for taking souls to hell through the destruction of family life? Or to put it in a more positive way, what can we do to strengthen family life, which, as I said earlier, is the foundation of ours and every other society? As I reflected on all of this yesterday after I received that call from Father Mahar, Three words came into my mind, and I trust it was the Holy Spirit that put them there. Faith, fidelity, and forgiveness. And those are all three words that begin with the letter F, like family, so hopefully they'll be easy to remember. To strengthen family life in general, and our own families in particular, we need to promote and we need to practice those three realities. Faith, fidelity, and forgiveness. First, faith. A family that's united in faith, a family that has a common commitment to God, is a family that's united in a common belief system, especially a common belief system as to what is right and what is wrong. And that can go a long way toward achieving family harmony and unity. If, for example, everybody in your family believes the same things, everybody in your family believes that lying is wrong and cheating is wrong and stealing is wrong and that you should acknowledge legitimate authority in your lives, if your family, if everybody in your family believes all of those things, that will make a big difference in terms of what goes on under your roof. Everybody is going to be on the same page, so to speak, in terms of their personal morality. Because everyone will have the same ultimate divine authority in their life. Which brings us to fidelity. Fidelity is another word for faithfulness. We need to be faithful to the members of our families, especially when things get rough especially in difficult times. I ask you, how many marriages and families break apart today when things just begin to get difficult? They throw in the towel. In some families nowadays, there is little or no desire to work at relationships. And that's a prescription for disaster because you have to work at relationships in marriage, in families, everywhere. Relationships are not easy. Faithfulness evaporates so quickly in so many families nowadays. I know of parents, for example, supposedly Catholic parents, 
who have threatened to disown their pregnant, unwed teenage daughters unless their daughters get abortions, because that's the simple solution to it all. What kind of support is that? Support, faithfulness, fidelity to another person means encouraging that person to do the right thing and then helping that person to follow through on their intention. It doesn't mean condoning sin of any kind, but it does involve giving emotional and spiritual guidance and support to the sinner. In this case, the sinner in the family. Which brings us to the final necessary component for the renewal of family life, forgiveness. No marriage survives without forgiveness. No family survives without forgiveness. No interpersonal relationship whatsoever survives without forgiveness. Unforgiveness is at the root of every family breakup. In some way, shape, or form, unforgiveness is there. And that's why the two most important sentences that can be uttered in the home of a healthy family are the sentences, I am sorry and I forgive you. So there you have it. Faith, fidelity, forgiveness, the three components of a strong family life, the three keys to undermining Satan's anti-family strategy. Now since this is the case, it shouldn't surprise us in the least that the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, exhibited each of these qualities in their relationships with one another. Number one, they definitely shared the same belief system and the same morality. Number two, without question, they showed fidelity to one another, especially in difficult times. Think of our Blessed Mother and how she stood with Jesus literally at the foot of the cross. She didn't run away like the apostles did. She stayed there with her son, faithful to him until the end, though a sword was piercing her soul at the same time. Think of Joseph, who guided, protected Mary and Jesus, especially during the flight to Egypt and back. Those roads were dangerous roads they traveled on. Joseph put his life on the line. Think of the faithfulness of Mary and Joseph to Jesus in today's gospel story of the finding of the Lord in the temple. It says they looked for him for three days. You know what? They would have looked for him for 300 days if that's what it took to get him back with them. And then forgiveness. Now, since neither Jesus nor Mary ever committed a sin, there was nothing to forgive there. But the very fact that they never committed a sin means that they never committed the sin of unforgiveness, which means they always forgave Joseph. Poor Joseph, you know, when anything went wrong in the family, rooted in sin, they always knew whose fault it was. But that's okay. Jesus and Mary forgave him immediately. Always. Let me conclude my homily this morning with a beautiful prayer to the Holy Family that I found online yesterday. I think it ties in with so much of what I just said in this homily. 
I pray this prayer today certainly for myself and my family, but I also pray it in the name of each and every one of you and each of your families. Jesus, Son of God and Son of Mary, bless our family. Graciously inspire in us the unity, peace, and mutual love that you found in your own family in the little town of Nazareth. Mary, Mother of Jesus and our Mother, nourish our family with your faith and your love. Keep us close to your Son, Jesus, in all our sorrows and joys. Joseph, foster father to Jesus, guardian and spouse of Mary, keep our family safe from harm. Help us in times of discouragement or anxiety. Holy Family of Nazareth, make our family one with you. Help us to be instruments of peace. Grant that love, strengthened by grace, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. And may we always have God at the center of our hearts and homes until we are all one family, happy and at peace in our true home with you. Amen.